Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I'm right with the Lord and oh, it feels good to be right with the Lord finally. And I'm, I just want to stay right here for a while. But we don't get busy. You know, God doesn't clean you up and clean me up so we can be clean. That God's not interested in that only, right? God cleans us up and sanctifies us that he might use us. Nobody washes dishes at home so they can be clean. You wash dishes so you can drink out of a clean cup, so you can use a clean fork, so you can put food on a clean plate, but no one will wash dishes every day just so you can be like, oh, I got clean dishes. Are you clean before the Lord? Has God rescued you from your sins? Do you know why? In today's message, Pastor Bill points out that God cleans us up for his unique purpose and not just for cleanliness. God calls us out of our sin, washes us off, and gives us something to do. God wants us busy doing what he told us to do. It may be simply engaging one person today with what God has done for you, or it could be something much grander. Either way, let's partner with God to do the thing he wants done. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 2. As he continues his message going in circles it says they turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the lord they did not do so and once again as we read this you know the bible says that god wrote these things for our learning god didn't write this here so we could look at israel and be like they are messed up man look at what they did you know that's not that we walk out of here tonight saying the israelites is dumb and they just they just didn't get it you know i'm glad i'm not like them we missed the whole point we're just like them I'm sure some of you are reading this saying, that's, that's what I do. You know, tell me, how do I get out of this? We, that's what we're going to talk about. You know, it's a, they're in this cycle of rebellion, punishment, repentance, a little bit of victory for a little bit of time. And then eventually it gets, you know, it's not enough for them to be victorious with the Lord. And so they eventually go back into the pattern of idolatry and then punishment. And then they cry out and then victory through the judge. And then a little time of rest and peace again. And, and then it lasts for so long. Usually it lasts the life of the judge that delivered them. And then it just seemed like their natural bent as soon as the guy died is now nah, I'm going to go back and do it again. And they just would, it's, that was a cycle. How do we break that cycle, right? For you guys here that would say, you know, my, my walk with the Lord looks like that. I'll be doing awesome at periods of time and then I'll fall off and be messing up over here. Eventually I'll get sick of this and get broken and hear a message or maybe a time in the word or whatever. And I get broken. I finally just, I'm sorry, God. And, and Jesus delivers me and he forgives me and I start fresh and it feels great. And I'm back where I need to be with the Lord. How come we do it again? How come we, we jump off? How come we, we go back? I got a suggestion. Why for them the cycle kept happening? Why for believers today that some people seem to be stuck in that pattern, stuck in that cycle? God had a plan and a purpose for the people of Israel, things that they were to do. In the times of rest, they wouldn't begin to pursue what God had called them to do. There would just be a time of rest. Now we're resting. We got rest from our enemies. We're finally right with the Lord. Okay, we stop. They don't go back and say, you know what? What we were supposed to do in the first place was knock these people out. Let's go back and do what God told us to do. They never get back to what God called them to do. And so they exist so long in a time of rest. And then somehow they get lured back into the cycle again. What I find is... Many times believers will run through a cycle and, you know, finally get to a place where okay, I stop sending with the thing I was doing over here and I'm, I'm right with the Lord and oh, it feels good to be right with the Lord finally. And I'm, I just want to stay right here for a while. 
but we don't get busy. You know, God doesn't clean you up and clean me up so we can be clean. That like God's not interested in that only, right? God cleans us up and sanctifies us that he might use us. Nobody washes dishes at home so they could be clean. You wash dishes so you can drink out of a clean cup, so you can use a clean fork, so you can put food on a clean plate. But no one will wash dishes every day just so you can be like, oh, I got clean dishes. I'm, I only wash them because we're going to need them again in a day or two. You know, we wash them because they're, they're purposeful, right? God washes and cleanses us so that we can be useful. And there is something supernatural and awesome about getting back into a place where, God, I'm back in the battle with you. I'm back in the war with you. I'm back in that place where I'm, I'm watching you do. That was when Israel was having the most victory is when they were going out to war against the enemy. And God was like, yes, let's go. I'm with you in this thing. This is what you're doing right now is what I want you to be doing. We're going to have victories. You're going to take steps of faith. You're going to see the most have the most supernatural exchanges with me during this period of time where you're walking in faith. So in those times of rest, they never got back to a place of really pursuing God and faith and sense of adventuring your walk with the Lord. So for you and me, New Testament saints, what's that look like? Washed in the blood of the lamb. Everybody here that believed that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the grave. And as a result, God, we surrender to you as Lord. That's step one. That's, that's where everybody starts at. Everybody here humbles himself before the living God. And we recognize that we're sinners. God is a savior. Jesus is a savior. And he has forgiven and saved us. And we receive him. We start there. We recognize that he has power over the grave. He, three days after he died for you and for me, he rose from the grave and he conquered sin, Satan, and death, right? He did that for us. Then he gives us the Holy Spirit to live inside and God begins to sanctify. And so now person just gets saved and it's like, man, I can't do that no more. Man, I really feel impressed of the Lord to stop, you know, using drugs or alcohol. Stop fornicating with my girlfriend or boyfriend. Stop doing this illegal thing for money. God's cleaning you up from the inside out. Now, after a while, not fornicating. Not getting drunk. I don't go to the club. I'm just clean. I'll go to church on Sunday, sit down, listen to the Bible study. Amen, pastor. Go home and live clean. That's going to get old. It's going to get old. It's going to get boring. It's going to be weak. And before you know it, because God made us with a sense of adventure, you're going you're gonna to be like, this is boring. I, I just want to go out. I was like, when I was, I was go out with my friends, it was like, woo! Something was going to happen, you know, because you, God made us for that. Satan was always trying to give you a, a rip off of what God gave. God wants us to be. So what's missing? You're not walking by faith. You're not attempting anything for the Lord. Now that God cleaned you up, when Paul got saved on the road to Damascus, you know the first prayer he prayed? Lord, what would you have me to do? That should be our prayer. God, okay, you got me. I'm clean. Got the Holy Spirit in me. I got this junk out of my life. Lord, what would you have me to do? Now I'm saved. Now you have my life. Lord, what would you have me to do? I guarantee you, whatever God would have for you to do would require you to take steps of faith. It won't be regular stuff. God will call you to do things that you can't do. And so and he does that. It's cruel sometimes, but God's like, I want you to do that. And you're like, God, you see me? I can't do that. And God's like, I know, I know, but I, I want to do it through you. So you could never do it, but, but I could do it through you if you would just trust me. Now go. And it's as you get walking like that. And it'll be uncomfortable and you'll be scared sometimes and you have to overcome fears and anxiety, but you'll get stepping out that way and you won't have time to focus on some silly stuff out there. You won't have time for some weird relationship. You won't have time for some illicit thing over here. I'm busy. I'm, I spent night. I'm praying tonight about tomorrow. My focus is on what God's trying to do tomorrow. I got time for that. I can't have an argument with you. I'm trying, I got Bible study tonight. That's a reality in my life. There are times where stuff will happen and I'm like, I can't fall into that today because I got this. 
I can't. I don't have the space spiritually. I, I don't have enough time to repent if I pop you in the mouth on the way here. You know, I, I can't do this. You know, I, I got to go on and get where I got to go and do what God's called me to do. It's good for us. Us walking in faith, it puts us back where God wants us. Now we're in the battle. Now we're in the war. Now you'll see God working and God's extending his hand to do supernatural things. There'll be an awareness of his presence in your life like it wouldn't be if you were just sitting at home doing nothing. I believe that's what's missing from a lot of believers. In their times of rest, that's what seemed to be missing, that they never got back to what they were. Because God there called you to do something. And so my encouragement to us, man, find you something. Find you something that you got to do in faith. It might be that you just plan once a day. Once a day, God, I'm going to walk up on somebody I don't know and tell them about you. And I got to wait and see what happens. That's some, for some of us, that'll be enough. At least there's some adventure in that. God, I'm going to pray before I go. I'm going to ask you to show up. If they ask you questions I don't know, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, give me the verses. Hope you did your devotions. I'm telling you, God, to draw from your devotional life as you're out there. But now at least I'm in the battle. Now that I jumped into this thing, I can see that the Lord's drawing from what, what he's put in my life. I'm in this cooperative effort with the Lord. And God will give you desires. God will lay things on your heart to do. But you make sure that you're doing something that requires you to step out in faith. Make sure you're doing something that you can't do in the natural. And listen for the Lord. Have a prayer life. Have a devotion. Let the Lord tell you to do things. God will, God will tell you to do things. And you're gonna, your, your knee-jerk response is going to be, I can't do that. He knows that. Think about how many people in the scripture, God, Moses, I want you to go talk. What? I can't. I, I stutter. Like the Lord didn't know he stuttered before he called him, you know, he called Jeremiah. I'm a kid. Like, like I didn't know how old you was when I called you, you know, you know, whatever you are, God, God's like, I'll use you. I got a plan for your life. And it's a plan that will require faith. The Bible says in Hebrews six, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so God says, if your life is not operating in faith, you can't please. It's impossible. So if you're living a very regular, safe life, that doesn't please the Lord. God's like, I want, I want you to exercise faith. I want you to take some biblical, spiritual risk. God's not saying, well, I'm going to go do a bungee jump and it's just, that's going to be my step of faith. That's, that's some foolery right there. If you want to do that, that's for you, right? Faith is always going to be in God, in his word, in what he said. This is what we're going to see in Judges, right? We're going to be looking at different characters, the different judges, the different persons and personalities. What we're going to realize is this, what the people of God wouldn't do, God required that judge to do. God will call men and, and a woman to do what they couldn't do. They had to believe the Lord. Gideon was my favorite, one of my favorites. Gideon was scared to death when the Lord called him. Gideon was in a hole, in a wine press. He was down there hiding from the enemies because every time they would get their crop, the enemies would come and take it from them. And then go back home. And so he's down there hiding out. For lack of a better term, he's in the most punk position he could be in. And then the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. I think the Lord have a sense of humor. Like, he's like, me, Lord? You've got to be kidding me. You look at what I'm doing right now. I'm hiding, you know. But that's where he was when the Lord said, man, you a mighty man of valor. I'm going to get him through you, man. And he was like, nah, I'm putting the fleece out. I think I need a couple different confirmations, Lord, you know. But the Lord did it through Gideon, you guys. He did it, right? And, and when it was all said and done, it wasn't because Gideon was so tough. Because Gideon eventually got to a place where he said, God, I'm going to go. Because you said so. I'm going to obey you in faith. That man that was in the wine press hiding got up and walked in faith. And God delivered the whole nation through him at that time. 
He did what they weren't doing. Was that exciting for Gideon? I'm sure it was. Is Gideon in heaven right now glad that God chose him? I bet he is, right? Was that better than, than him spending the rest of his life hiding in a wine press? I'm sure it was. That adventure wasn't missing from Gideon's life, but it was missing from the people's life. So I'm encouraging us. We step out in faith. Wherever you might be in the cycle, you might be in the place of the cycle where you got full on idolatry going on. Then never mind steps of faith. Let your first step be one of repentance, right? If you're in the state and you're in that cycle where I'm, I'm wrapped up in sin, I am sinning against the Lord. I'm doing the things that anger God. Repent of that. Don't just be sorry, but be sorry and stop it. Repent of it. Ask the Lord to forgive you for it. Ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit and help you to, to walk away from it. But, but don't go on in that. That's, that's your issue. That's the first issue. Maybe some of you guys are out of that place in the cycle. It's like, no, I'm, I'm no longer living in you know, ongoing habitual sin. I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm just not doing anything. I got no sense. There's no sense of adventure in my walk with the Lord. We're going to pray when we're done that God would give you something to do. But if you don't get anything else to do, I told you one thing everybody here can do. Go tell somebody every day. I'm going to go at least one person. I'm going to walk up on somebody I don't know, and I'm going to tell them about you. The Bible already tells you to do that. That's one for free. If you're having a hard time hearing from the Lord, I don't want you waiting until next week and say, I'm still praying. Um, you know, while you're praying, you got one that you could go jump out there and do right now. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish this chapter. So verse 18, when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of the enemies. All the days of the judge for the Lord was moved to pity by their groanings because of those who oppressed them and had harassed them. And so when the people would be, you know, kind of beat down by the enemy and they would they would groan and cry out to the Lord and said, God, have pity on them. That is teaching you something about the Lord too. God, God pities us. Anybody here that's like, oh, I messed up so bad. I've been so disobedient. I've been so rebellious. And sometimes we can convince ourselves that God is not who he is. God hates me. God's mad at me. God will never know. He will. He pities you. The Bible says that he knows our frames, that we're just dust. Imagine this, right? Everybody here with all your weaknesses and flaws. When God chose you, he knew every mistake you would ever make, and he still chose you. That blows me away. God, you knew every time I would fail. You knew every time I would fall short. You knew every time I would blow it, and you still chose me. Because we're not like God. And so sometimes we try to put off on God how we are. He pities us. He's a merciful God. He's better than we are. And we can all be glad and thankful and rejoice in that. Verse 19. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods, served them and bowed down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And so it says after that judge would die, the people would go right back to their corruption. And they would do worse than the, the generation that preceded them. Verse 20. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died. So that through them, and this is what God's saying, what I'm going to do to those enemies left behind, I'm not going to drive them out. I'm going to leave them. Since y'all wanted them here, I'm going to let them stay, but I'm going to use them. It's going to work into my plan so that through them, I may test Israel. Rather, they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. So God says the way that I'm going to use the enemies left behind is I'm going to let them test you. They're going to test you and prove you whether or not you'll obey me or not. For us, we may look at the world and say, God, how come you allow this? 
How come you allow all these bad things? How come you allow all that? This, it's a lot, you got a lot of options, a lot of choices. Some of these things are tests for you and me too. Uh, every one of us has different weaknesses, different things that challenge us and test us. You can have a test and a temptation in the same scenario. Sometimes the same scenario that is from Satan, a temptation to stumble you, is from God, a test to prove you. Same situation. And God saying, look, that thing, that opportunity there is it's given so that you can display that you love me more. Satan, it wants to use it as a temptation to stumble you and defile you. I've let it be as a test to you. And so nobody has to fall. And that's important for us to know. Um, there is no must fall, must fail situation for us. Another favorite verse of mine is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says, no temptation has overtaken us except that which is common. And it says, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God said, look, I'm in charge of the temptation that comes, the level of temptation. So sometimes you read your Bible and you look at a story, you're like, man, I don't know if that happened to me. I don't know if I can handle it. The reason why it didn't happen to you probably because you couldn't. You know, I've, I've seen things happen to other people. I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that. Probably couldn't. Probably didn't happen to me. It happened to them. I read Job and I think, I don't know, I would crack. I probably would. And this is what I can trust. Though. If God allows it to come my way, then with his help, I can handle it. God's never allowing anything to come down the pipe that I can't take this even with God's help. God controls the level of temptation test that comes our way. He left them there, it would test them. And the cool thing with a test, a test is never showing God how well we're doing. When I get tested, it shows me how, how where I'm at. Anybody ever had a test come your way and you did well and shocked yourself? You're like, whoa, you know, you surprise yourself how, how well you handled it this go round. Earlier on, when I first got saved, I had a couple things happen. I remember I kept catching myself saying, man, if this thing would have happened last year, I know I would have did this, but it happened now. You know, I was just in a better place in my life. I was in a different space to be able to handle some things. I could just look back and just think, man, that, that was God. God showed me that I'm not who I used to be through that test right there. I had a daughter when I was a teenager. And so when I first got saved, I was dealing with her, going back and forth with her mother. She was only two years old at the time. Me and Mika were going out. And uh, one day uh, I had my daughter for the weekend and we went to go do pictures. So Mika did her hair. And so she had a little outfit on and her hair was all done with the little braids and, you know, the barrettes matching the outfit, all this stuff. We took pictures. And so the mom came to pick her up and she saw, I, I sent her home with all the little outfit and everything. She's like, oh, who, who did her hair? I was like, she did. I can't you know, I didn't get to blink or breathe. I got slapped in the face. And it was like, now, for anybody that would have known me before Christ, anybody slapped the face, man, woman, grandma, grandpa, like, once, the, that, that, it, it was like, a, it was a switch, right? I, I can't be slapped in the face. And, uh, but I remember getting slapped in the face and think I was holding my daughter in this, the right arm and it gave me just enough pause. I've never experienced that pause before where it was like, let that go. I've never felt led to let that go. I've never in my life been slapped in the face and didn't retaliate. That was the first time in my life. When it was done, I was like, man, I was, I'm not who I used to. I was, I was happy later, like, man, I, I, I didn't even hit, I didn't hit her back. I didn't do nothing, you know? It, it felt like a huge victory. And for where I was at that time, it was a huge victory. You know, we continue to grow as we go, but God will allow tests. Now, I've also had tests where I failed. Some of you guys have heard those stories. You know, I've, I've had tests where I failed and I shocked myself then too. I can't believe I did that. I thought I was beyond that. 
Uh, some of y'all have heard my, my car wash story. I'm not telling it tonight, but, you know, where I just, you know, I really thought that I was beyond that place of doing that thing. And then I did it and shocked myself that I could fall that low again. Tests don't teach God anything. God knows exactly where you are, but the tests show you where you're at. So if you get tested and you find that, wow, you need to rejoice and praise the Lord that, that you're not what you used to be. If you have a test and you fail, you know, that's God highlighting for you that you need to put some focus on this issue. You need to hone in on that area. You need to be praying about that thing. It's for you. So you would know. The last verse, verse uh, 23, it said, therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. And so because of their disobedience, because of the, their being in that cycle of, of going back and forth and disobeying, God didn't deliver them. They didn't get to enjoy the victory that God wanted to bring into their life. What set the stage for them to be in this cycle? few things. One, obviously, Israel's ongoing disobedience. That, that was a problem. One, the thing we saw earlier in the chapter is they failed in their parental duty to raise up their kids in the ways of the Lord. They didn't, they didn't raise up their kids. They didn't train their kids up to know the Lord. And so that was an issue. Uh, there was a whole generation that says they didn't know the Lord or the works. They didn't know the deeds that God had done. Again, an exhortation to us as parents to really take that responsibility seriously, um, to pour into our kids, to be an example to them. Because you can't be preaching it to them and not living it in front of them. You got to do both. That we would live it before them, share it with them, and that we would really lead out. That they would learn faith through you. They would learn the word through you. They would learn the nature of Jesus through you first. And then maybe Sunday school will be an additive to what you're already pouring in, but, but they'd be getting it first from you. And so... I want to take that responsibility seriously. Third thing, as we saw in the cycle, and I point out to you guys that in those times of rest, right, when they were finally doing well and having rest, they, they didn't get back to what they were called to do. They didn't get back to putting out the enemies and dealing with what was there. As God brings you out of sin and brings you into a place of victory in him, he cleaned up your vessel. He didn't clean your vessel up just so you could be clean. God wants you to do something for him. And so the admonition to all of us is that we be doing something that requires us to, to, to believe God, to take steps of faith. And I told you guys, I'll tell you for a third time, if you can't come up with something to do, then every day you can say, I'm going to walk out somewhere sometime today and share with somebody I don't know about who the Lord is and what he's done. And, and if you want to share with somebody you know too, that's fine. But get out there and share with somebody every day. But we also want to be praying for those, those specific steps the Lord would have us to take. Amen. And uh, lastly, if, if you find that you're in the sin section of the cycle and you need to be you need to break out then let tonight be that night. Um, how do you break out of a sin cycle? Uh, there's got to be sorrow over your sin. You got to confess it. First John 1 9 said if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Uh, and there needs to be repentance. You need to turn away from whatever you've been doing. And so whatever you need to do to break it off, if you got to throw stuff away, cut people off, you want to take the steps that you can take. And trust the Lord to help you to become victorious where you've been in failure before. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples, good and bad, through the chapter tonight. Uh, thank you for the reminders of, of your faithfulness, Lord. The reminders that you're merciful. The reminder that you pity us. The reminder, Lord, that um, God, when we turn to you with all of our hearts, Lord, um, you, you receive us. Uh, also, Lord, the reminder that, that you do discipline, if need be. Uh, that that's available, that you make that available to us to turn us back. And so, Father, I pray that you would help all of us. God, wherever we fall in this cycle, if we're, if we're uh, battling with sin, God, for those that are battling, you know who they are. They know who they are. 
God, I pray tonight would be for them a night of repentance, that they would turn from their sin and turn to you and receive forgiveness and mercy and strength to overcome. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill has been working his way through the eventful book of Judges. In this book, you hear about men and women of valor and courage who were willing to risk their lives, but put their faith in God to the test. Gideon is just one that comes to mind as he asked God to show him what he should do, and God showed up mightily. God delights in seeing your faith go big. Do you believe God for big things, or do you sink into believing that it's too difficult for God? God just waiting to see you ask and trust Him for things in faith. Maybe you'll have a faith story that equals some of these people in the book of Judges. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and a midweek service on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Under the teaching tab, you'll find links to our messages. While you're at the website, why not download the mobile app? You'll get access to all our messages so you can have them on the go. If you haven't found what you're looking for on our website, feel free to call us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for listening. We look forward to next time as we hear a transforming word.